All right, you may be seated. And good morning. Try that again. Good morning. All right, thank you. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. God has blessed us with another Sunday, another Lord's Day. Let's turn back to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34 is what we will be looking at today. Mark chapter 5, 21 through 34. The message today is entitled, Disease, Death, and Deliverance. Disease, Death, and Deliverance. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Fathers, I have prayed many times before, your word is truth. And as Jesus prayed, I believe in John 17, that you, God, would sanctify us with your truth. There's power in the gospel. There's power in your word, Father. We pray for salvation today, that you would bring dead hearts to life. And we pray for us in the faith today, Father, that you would sanctify us, you would cleanse us, you would mold and shape our hearts to where and what you would have them to be. We're needy people today, God. We need your word. So we pray today that you would speak that you would be glorified, you would be magnified, and your word would accomplish what you set it out to accomplish. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray together. Amen. So Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. I wanted to start with a quote this morning. In preparation, I came across this of a Canadian scientist, Uh, G.B. Hardy, and he said this, When I looked at religion, I said I have two questions. One, has anybody conquered death? And the second question, if they have, did they make a way for me to conquer death? I checked the tomb of Buddha, and it was occupied. I checked the tomb of Confucius, and it was occupied. I checked the tomb of Muhammad, and it was occupied. And I came to the tomb of Jesus, and it was empty. And I said, there is one who conquered death. And then I asked the second question, did he make a way for me to do it? And I opened the Bible, and I discovered that he said, because I live, you shall live also. Amen? It's good news this morning that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So because of sin and the fallen world that we live in, we understand we all face sickness, disease, and ultimately death. Our church family has seen this reality over the last several weeks. 
The question then becomes, will we be delivered from these things? And I'm not talking about simply physical deliverance. I want you to know today that the message is filled with hope, a confident hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My goal today, or my aim, is that each of us would see by divine grace that Jesus really is the deliverer. Jesus really has power over demons, as we saw at the beginning of chapter 5 with the man from Gerasene that was uh, filled with demons and God delivered him from those demons. We will see that Jesus has power over disease, and we'll see that today uh, with the woman with the issue of blood and Jesus healing her. And then in a couple of weeks, we will see Jesus' power over death as he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Remember this today before we get into the passage. We bring our uncleanliness to Jesus and he cleanses us. We bring our uncleanliness to Jesus and he cleanses us. When all of our human hopes are exhausted, as Brother Bob read this morning from the book of Ecclesiastes, all that is vanity, all of our human technology, all of our human wisdom, all of our human ways, when finally we get to the point of all of our human hopes being exhausted, then we can find true hope, confident hope in Jesus. We have to remember this morning that the overarching goal of the Gospels is to show that Jesus truly is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the Rescuer. He is the Deliverer. He is Lord. He is ultimately the Lord God Almighty. You don't have to turn there, but remember Mark chapter 1 verse 1. This is the gospel of God. John the Apostle wrote in his gospel in John 20, 31, I write these things to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing that you would have life in his name. Do you believe this morning? All the things I just said about Jesus, that he and only he can rescue us from our sin, our hopelessness, our despair. I hope and pray if you don't, that again, by grace, by the end of the message today, that you would believe in Christ. The gospel's for all people today, for man, woman, boy, and girl, for the rich, for the poor, for all walks of life. And so now, let's go to Mark chapter 5, 21 through 34. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. 
and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Brandon, I don't know if the Facebook is working. The screen is dark, so I don't know how, exactly how that works, but wanted to share that with you. So let's walk through this passage of seeing disease. We good? Disease, death, and then deliverance. In verse 21, back in Mark chapter 5, it says, Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side. Remember, Jesus had gone to the west side of the Sea of Galilee for one reason, one reason only, to save the wretched man, the, the demon-possessed man of the Gerasenes, to bring him salvation, to deliver him from the demons. And so Jesus had crossed over. He had gone to the west side of the Sea of Galilee. He had rescued this man, delivered him, sent him out as an evangelist. And now Jesus comes back to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, probably back to Capernaum. Once he gets there, look at the end of verse 21. A great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. So probably even before Jesus... Jesus gets back onto the shore. The people are already gathering. And Jesus gets out of the boat. He's there on the, the shore of the sea. And there's this massive crowd of people. For good reason, right? This is Jesus. They've seen him deliver those possessed with demons. They've seen him teach with authority. They've seen him heal the sick, the blind, and the lame. And so the people have come all kinds of heart motives, but they have come. Why have you come this morning? Think about that in your own heart. Why are you here? Why did you come this morning? Now in verse 22, there comes a ruler of the synagogues, Jairus by name. And seeing Jesus, he falls at his feet. And so we have this religious man, this Jew, this ruler of the synagogue, this official, probably he was one of the ones that was in charge of the maintenance of the synagogue, making sure that the building was prepared, arranging the services. 
he would have been a man of prominence, a man of prosperity. And he comes before Jesus and he falls at his feet. That little reference there, falling at his feet. When was the last time you fell at somebody's feet? Probably apart from falling at the feet of Jesus, you haven't fallen at somebody's feet. Jairus understands who Jesus is, and he worships. He comes before the Deliverer, the Son of God. And look at verse 23, what happens. He implores Jesus earnestly. That means he pleaded fervently. Why is he doing this? Well, look at what it says. He says to Jesus, my little daughter, and in the context, she's 12 years old. You can read that in Matthew and in Luke. She's at the point of death, and he's begging with Jesus, please come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. I don't know about y'all. I've thought about that before. Probably one of the worst things that could happen in any parent's life would be the loss of a child. So think about where Jairus is at. His little girl is dying, and there's nothing he can do about it. And this man of prominence, this Jewish man, all of the Pharisees would have known him, all of the Sadducees would have known him, and all of this religious crowd of these religious leaders that were beginning to hate Jesus because of his prominence, his popularity, Jairus doesn't care. He doesn't care one bit. He doesn't care what other people say or what they think. He falls at the feet of Jesus because he understands there's nowhere else he can go. He's a desperate man who understands his only hope is Jesus. John MacArthur said this, Nothing would keep Jairus from seeking Jesus for help. No loss of his job, no loss of his position, no loss of his prominence, no loss of his wealth, no loss of what others would think about him. I ask you this morning, are you desperate for Jesus in this way? Or are you still depending on yourself or human means and human ways? Do we care more about what other people think about us than what Jesus thinks about us? Verse 24, I love the first few words. It's so simple, but yet it's packed with such power. Jesus went with him. Don't miss that. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is loving. Jesus is a God who cares. In the midst of these crowds that had thronged at Jesus they had pressed upon him the hundreds and hundreds if not thousands and thousands of people and yet this man comes up to Jesus and he's a man in desperate need and Jesus goes with him hear me say this morning whatever you are going through Jesus cares for you he loves you yes he loves the masses and he loves the multitudes but he specifically loves you as an individual you are never a bother to jesus 
If you've ever had that thought before, does Jesus ever care? Does he even care? Am I going to bother Jesus with this request or whatever's going on in my life? Take that lie from your heart and your mind. Jesus cares about you. He cares about his people. Don't you ever think that you are a bother to Jesus. And I thought about our church family right now, and I prayed for them, and I'm sure you have been as well. Everything that we're going through, it's not a bother to Jesus to lift up thousands upon thousands upon thousands of prayers to our Lord. When we think about the Silvas family, and we think about the Pascarella family, and we think about the Nicholson family, and the Pereira family, and Andy, and the Williams family, and I could go on and on and on. Jesus cares about each of those families. So those that are listening via Facebook today, Jesus cares for you. And now there's this transition in the story. Jesus begins to go. The great crowds are thronging about him, and he's going with Jairus to go to his house to, to heal his little daughter. And look at now at verse 25. There was a woman. Remember what I told you? Jesus loves men, women, boys, and girls. I hope you've been able to pick up on that through the Gospel of Mark. And so there's this woman. So we have this man of prominence in Jairus. He's rich. He's got a position. And we now have this woman who you're going to see. She's poor. She's an outcast. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care what your walk in life is. Christ saves sinners. And look at what happens. She has a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, we don't have all the details of this, but this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. Possibly a tumor in her uterus or something going on with her reproductive parts where she's constantly bleeding. That's hard to fathom for 12 years. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, according to Leviticus 15, when you had a, an issue of blood, you were unclean before the Lord. She couldn't go to the synagogue. She couldn't go to the temple to worship for 12 years. If she touched her husband, he would have been unclean. If she touched one of her children, and I don't know if she was married, we don't know all the details, they would have been unclean. Basically, anybody that she would have touched, they would have then been unclean because she was unclean. She would have been a social outcast. Guys, we can kind of understand this with all the quarantine that we've had to do the last couple of years. This lady basically has had to live in quarantine for 12 years. She's desperate. She's hopeless. Verse 26. She had suffered much. I mean, that's an understatement. Under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse 
All of these different doctors had tried to help her. Maybe some in a corrupt way, you know, misusing their position, but there probably were some that had legitimately tried to help her. Uh, I think of Stacy Pascarella right now. I think she's done a wonderful job of being appreciative of all of the doctors and the nurses and all of the care that has been provided. And so praise God for our doctors and our nurses and the care uh, that we have before us of the medical care. But at the end of the day, we have to understand they're limited. Okay, They're not God. Science is not God. The medical field is not God. And so for this lady, all of the treatments, all of the things that these physicians had tried, nothing was working and she grew worse. She was financially done. She was in debt up to her eyeball. She had nothing left. She's a social outcast. What could she do? There was no more hope for her. She was in despair. Look at verse 27. She had heard the reports about Jesus. I love that. She heard the reports about Jesus. She had heard that there was this man that was different than any other man. That there was this man that was able to teach with authority from God. There was this man that was able to heal the sick, the blind, and the lame. There was this man who had cast out demons. She had heard about Jesus. And with the limited revelation, the limited knowledge that she had, she knew she had to make it to Jesus. Do you understand that this morning? Have you heard the report about Jesus? That he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him? Have you heard this morning that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? That we are sinners against the holy God? And the only way you can be rescued or forgiven of your sin is through the work of Christ, the person of Christ, the death of Christ on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection? Have you heard the news? Have you really heard it? Has it gotten in your heart that you can only go to heaven through Christ? You can only be forgiven of your sin through Christ? I hope you've heard it, and I hope you've embraced it like this lady does. So there in verse 27, it goes on to say, she comes up behind him in the crowd, and she touches his garment. By the way, she really shouldn't have been there, right? Because anybody she would have touched would have been unclean. We got this massive crowd. They're thronged together. They're pressing together. Think of maybe being like at the fair or a concert where you just got like people pressed together, which you know we can't do that right now because of social distancing and stuff. But just this massive amount of people, she's there in the crowd, and somehow, I mean... It, it would have been something just to, to have been able to see how she got to Jesus. Somehow she gets close enough to Jesus where she touches his garment. And look at verse 28. For she said, so here's what she's saying in her heart. If I touch even his garment, I will be made well. What faith this lady had. Now, in that culture and time, some of, the, some of the studying I did, there was kind of this belief of, 
when someone had power and authority, if you could like get close to them and you could touch them, that whatever you were struggling with, it could be made well. Was that going on in her heart and her mind? Maybe, but I think we're going to see as we unpack this passage, there was a genuineness in what was going on with this particular lady. And I want to remind you this morning, as we think about this lady's condition, listen to me, guys. And if this hasn't been made clear to you over the last few weeks, you need to open up your eyes. Sickness, disease, and death, it will come knocking to every one of our doors. You can't escape it. It's the fallen world we live in. You can do all the social distancing you want to do. You can take all the medications you want. You can do all of the diets and you can exercise all you want. And those are good things. I'm not saying not to do those. But at the end of the day, sickness, disease, and death will come to your door. And all that's going to matter is do you know Christ or do you not? Have you been saved from your sin or have you not? Because if you don't have Christ, you're going to step into eternity and you're going to stand before a holy God and you're going to suffer his wrath and judgment for your sin, spending eternity in hell. But if you have Christ, he's already suffered God's wrath and justice on your behalf. That's what was going on on the cross our sin was placed on him. The wrath of God came against our sin. And we are forgiven in Christ. But the Bible says you must repent, turn from your sin, and you must believe in Christ. If the word of God is true, and I believe with all my heart it is, what I just told you is the only way you can be saved. It's going to come knocking on your door, and you don't know when it will come. You could be 5, you could be 10, you could be 50, you could be 90. Only God knows. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to ask you again, are you desperate this morning for Jesus like this woman was desperate? Commentator Kent Hughes, he said this, despair is commonly the prelude to grace. And so if everything that's happening is causing conviction in your heart and causing despair in your heart, that is a good thing. Run to Christ. Be forgiven in Christ. If God saves people through this suffering and affliction that we are going through as a church, all glory to God, praise the Lord, because eternity is so much more important than the temporal. Verse 29. Immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. What a moment that would have been for this woman. She touches the garment of Christ and immediately 
she understands, she feels, she experiences that she has been healed. The divine deliverer, Jesus, has performed a divine miracle. Verse 30, she knows what happens, and guess what? Jesus also knows what happens, what has happened. Verse 30, Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately he turns about in the crowd and he says, who touched my garments? Jesus knew someone had touched him in genuine faith. The masses of people, and Jesus knew that he had been touched in a way that was different. That's our Jesus. When you cry out to him in repentance and faith, he knows, he hears your cry. Look at verse 31. It says, the disciples said to him, to Jesus, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? I mean, the disciples are oblivious to what is going on. They kind of were like that most of the time. I mean, a divine miracle has just happened, and they have absolutely no idea what's going on. Jesus, do you not know that there are probably hundreds of people that have touched you in the last five minutes or ten minutes, and you just asked, who, who touched me? And by the way, I want to ask us this morning, are we oblivious to what Jesus is doing in our lives and around us each and every day? Are you oblivious this morning that God gave you the breath of life today? That God allowed you to get up out of your bed? To come here? To be able to sit? To have the word of God in your hands? To hear it preached? Oh, may we be thankful people of every single moment. Don't waste a moment because you don't know when it will be your last. God is working. Amen? I know it's hard, and it's a struggle, but our God is working in the life of our church. Gia Mia, God is working through your mom and the post that she sends out. God's working. God's working. Look at what happens in verse 32. Jesus looks around to see who had done it. You see, for Jesus, everything's personal, guys. Jesus could have just kept walking, right? She would have been healed physically of her blood issue. The Bible says that. He could have went about his business. But Jesus was about meeting this lady face to face. Because there was still more work he was going to do in her life. You're not a bother to Jesus. Look at verse 33. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came in fear and trembling. She falls down before him and she told him the whole truth. Think about all this. She knows it was her. She knows Jesus knows, but at this point, not everybody else knows. But now they're going to know. Because this lady comes up in fear and trembling, 
To some extent, she may have been fearful of what other people were going to think, because here she is. She's been unclean for the last 12 years. She may have been fearful of how's Jesus going to respond to me, that I have touched him with an unclean hand. But I think most of all, when we see there the fear and trembling, this lady, by God's grace, she understands she is in the presence of God. And when you know you're in the presence of God, we've talked about this before, the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. John, when he had his visions of revelations, it says he fell down like a dead man. When you're in the presence of Jesus, there's a reverence, there's a respect, and there's a fear, and there's a trembling that he is God, and we are not. And this is going on in her heart, and look at what she does. She falls down before him. I'm going to ask you, when was the last time you fell down at somebody's feet, apart from your prayer life, falling down at the feet of Jesus? Okay, to fall down at the feet of somebody is about worship. And this lady falls down at the feet of Jesus, and she begins to tell him the whole truth. She's confessing. She's probably confessing sin. She's confessing her story. I mean, Jesus knows all this, but she's getting it out there. When was the last time you went before Jesus and you confessed to him whatever? Your sin, your struggles, your despair, your shame, your guilt. Christian, we should be doing that every single day. Unbeliever, today's the day of salvation. Confess your sin before Jesus, repent and believe and be saved. Verse 34. We see her response to Jesus, and she begins to share. So, by the way, this is a public testimony. She's sharing now with the crowd. Everything that Jesus has just done for her. And now look at what Jesus now says in verse 34. He says to her, daughter. Don't miss that. You know what's interesting? It's the only time that word is used by Jesus to a lady in the whole New Testament. Daughter. You're mine. I'm a father. You're a child. You're adopted by me. You're loved by me. It's a personal term. It's an affectionate term. It's an intimate term. I love you and you are my daughter. That's awesome. I mean, you, you got to think about this. This lady was in despair for 12 years and she now hears the son of God call her daughter. Think back to the moment when God saved you. And you realized you had been forgiven and you had become an adopted child, son or daughter of the king? There's nothing better. Nothing better. Better than her being healed physically, she's experiencing the gift of salvation. Look at what else he says. Your faith has made you well. That word faith is the Greek word pistis. It means to entrust yourself completely to someone else. And that's what this lady had done. With whatever the revelation, the knowledge she had about who Jesus was, 
She had come to Jesus and she had surrendered all. And when it says, your faith has made you well, it's interesting. The Greek word that's used there is sozo. It's the same Greek word that talks about being healed spiritually or being forgiven of your sin. You need to understand this morning, this is more than a physical healing. This lady has been made new in Christ. Then he goes on to say, go in peace because she now has the peace of God and be healed of your disease. And that Greek word is a different Greek word. And it actually is talking about the physical side of things that you have been healed of your disease and you'll continue to be healed of whatever this disease was that she had. That's awesome. That's our God. So here's a few concluding thoughts. This lady is restored to wholeness of life. Where does faith come from? You know, sometimes people mess up the word faith or they see it wrongly. Okay, this lady didn't muster up faith this day. It's not about her. Do you realize the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, faith is a gift of God. It's not of works so that no one can boast. This was a gift of God's grace. I want you to think about in all of these masses of people, Jesus specifically chose on this day to minister to Jairus, and we'll finish up his story the next time I preach, and this woman with the issue of blood. Guys, we don't worship faith. We worship the one we place our faith in. And if you have faith this morning in Christ, it's a gift of God. So who gets all the glory? God. Okay. And by the way, we don't manipulate God with faith. This in no way, shape, or form was about this lady somehow manipulating Jesus to make him heal her. Jesus could have healed this woman whether she had faith or not. You realize Jesus healed people that they didn't have faith? Just in his common grace and for his glory? So I do want to talk about Pastor Tom for a moment. Because I love my brother. And hear, hear my heart. I mean, I'm struggling. You know, Monday going back to OCA... And Brother Tom not being there, that, that was hard. And that was a lot to process through. And for Gia and Mia here and for Vincenzo and Stacy, I can't even begin to imagine the struggle. But here's what I do know. Our God is the God of all comfort. Our God is the God of all peace. And Tom is in God's hands. And you know what he would say if he was here this morning preaching? He would say the exact same thing. This is about God. This is about his glory. This is about us trusting God. This is about eternity. Now, I'm praying with every ounce of energy that I have for God to heal Tom, to bring him off this ventilator. 
to restore him physically to health because I love my brother and I want to continue to be able to serve with him and to share life together. And I know his family's doing the same. But I think our sister in Christ, Stacy, has really modeled for us whatever God chooses to do, this really is about eternity. Because you see, Tom is going to be healed one way or the other, right? He's either going to be healed here in the temporary or ultimately he's going to be healed in eternity. Because by the way, if God chooses to heal Tom in the temporary for his glory and all glory to God on that, you know what's going to happen to Tom with the rest of us one day unless Jesus chooses to come back? We're all going to die. How many times has Tom told us 10 out of 10 people die? And so physical healing, as great as it is, as wonderful as, as it is, it's still temporary. This woman with the issue of blood, guess what? There was a point in time she died. Jairus' daughter that we're going to see, there's going to come a point in time Christ resurrects her, but then physically she dies. I want to leave us with Isaiah 53, and then we'll pray. Turn with me to Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. Thought about Pastor Tom. Jimbo, you may remember this, but we did a Bible conference a few years back, and Tom preached Isaiah 53. He preached this whole passage, this whole chapter. It was an awesome message. Remember it like it was yesterday. It was Tom preaching, preaching the gospel, the love and truth of Christ. But I want to focus on Isaiah chapter 53, 3 through 5. And if you're not in the faith this morning, please hear these words. If you're in the faith, be encouraged. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3. This is a prophecy about Jesus. This is a prophecy about the Messiah, okay? So verse 3, when it says he, it's talking about Jesus. It's looking forward. He was despised and he was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. Jesus understands your grief and your hurt and your hardship this morning. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus was rejected. But verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. It's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's through what Christ did on the cross that we are forgiven of our sin. He was crushed. For the sin of his people. I ask you again this morning. Have you surrendered your life. To the divine deliverer. The rescuer. The Messiah. The only one that can save you. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus I, I just wanted to say thank you for this passage. You've used it to minister to my heart this week. 
the reality of disease, the reality of death, but then the confident hope, Jesus, that we have in you, that you are the deliverer. Whether you temporarily, in the here and now, physically heal somebody, we give you all the glory for that. Or more importantly, the forgiveness that we can have in Christ to spend eternity Christ with you, our eternal home. We're just pilgrims passing through. We long to be with you, Jesus, by your grace, your work on the cross, and your resurrection. Lord, I do want to pray for my brother, Brother Tom, this morning. God, I love him. And Lord, I do pray in faith. I ask very humbly that you would bring him off this ventilator. You would restore him to health, just as you did this lady with the issue of blood. Jesus, we recognize you have the power and the authority to do that if it be your will. I pray that you will continue to comfort and sustain his family. And God, you've done that. And we say thank you. God, we, we're going to trust you. That you know best. Be glorified. God, I pray for our community. We are hurting. There's so many that are sick. God, bring good out of this. Bring salvation. God, bring revival. Bring people to their knees to see their sin and to repent and to believe in Christ. Just as Jairus fell down at the feet of Jesus, just as the woman with the issue of blood fell down at the feet of Jesus, I pray that we as a church, pray that we as a community would fall down at the feet of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray together. Amen. And so now let's stand and we'll worship the Lord through song. Please join us for doxology.